This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. It's always soccer in Philadelphia, even when the Sixers are playing in the playoffs. I'm always going to find time to talk about the beautiful game. And joining us from California on short notice to talk about the beautiful game, the only other person in the United States who has a landline, it's the Dalai Lama of soccer, Simon Allen. Simon, what's up, man? Well, thank you so much. I did not know that the Sixers are in the playoffs. What are we doing talking about soccer? Well, you know, I, like I said, it's... Uh, it's always soccer in Philadelphia, even when basketball is going on. So uh, this is a podcast for the people, and uh, we always okay. have to we always have to have our priorities straight, no matter what's going on. You know. Of course, well, I did. I for the uh, if you told me about ten seconds ago uh, that it was the Sixers were a basketball team, I would have not known. <laughs> well, now you know the, <laughs> the Sixers are the basketball team. The Eagles are the football team out here. There's an ice hockey team that's not that good. And uh, we have a baseball team that's a little bit better this year. And then you have the Philadelphia Union as well. And so obviously the most awesome soccer team in all of <laughs> the East Coast, possibly that area, the Philadelphia Union. You're absolutely right. Well, I guess you got to watch them play against the L.A. Galaxy on the weekend, yeah? Uh, so, uh, I so did, yeah. What, what, did you, uh, what were your takeaways from the game, from the match? Well, you know, let, let me be really, really honest. Like the, when I, I had to go to the game. And so as part of my job, I had to go to the game. And on my Facebook page, I was like, Ugh. you know, a penny, a penny saved not watching the union is a penny earned. Ah, oh, that's harsh, man. Did you see that one? And it was a, it was like a vintage, uh, you know, Ben Franklin. <laughs> and I didn't get, and I got a lot of like private, you know, messages, and I was like, oh, I'm sorry, but you know, and I was literally standing, almost about ten feet away from Jim Curtin, pretty much about fifty, sixty minutes of the whole game. And so I walked in there not really wanting to see this and then watched it from a sort of a, a, a over-the-shoulder view of the manager. And I thought to myself, and, and I'm a bit long-winded here, but I'm going to go around to this particular thing. Let's not talk about soccer for a second. Let's not talk about tactics for a second. But you, you know, you, I'm asking you this question. Mm-hmm. What did you feel when you were watching this game? Like, what did you, what did it almost feel like to you when you were you watching this match? Uh, it felt like I was watching a mid-table team, like a mid-tier team okay. play play against an upper-tier team. Okay, okay, but just take it a step back, step back a bit, because I'm trying to see if there was two. There was okay, so there was a guy who was I was working with, and he's an ex MLS player. And I won't give you his name. Mm-hmm. He said something to me that I was thinking, and I was kind of wondering. No, it can't be. It can't be that. So uh, the reason why I asked you, Kevin, is because I honestly thought that, th- and I honestly thought that this particular match was the Philadelphia Union coming into LA and saying to themselves, "This game doesn't really matter. It's they're a Western Conference team." If we beat them, we beat them, which was not going to happen regardless. If we tie, we tie. If we lose, it doesn't really matter because 
not really a six-pointer. It's, it's, it's definitely a three-point loss. And and I kind of felt like that. And the guy that I was working with said exactly the same thing. He said, yeah, it just doesn't seem like they're playing for, like they really wanted to, to win this. They're here on sort of, they, they know that this really win or lose, it doesn't matter because they're, they're not in the same conference. And I literally perked my ears up and went, that's how, that's how I see it. And I was sort of questioning that now. Did you, did you hmm. now that I said that, do you see it now looking back? Like, these guys weren't really were maybe, they playing? Yeah, maybe they're not really believing in themselves, which I guess you, you would think might be strange considering the fact that they had won three straight, you know, and they had they were coming in in good form. Uh, they're playing well. Were they three but, straight in the Eastern Conference, or were they, was it varied? No, it was it was Cincinnati, it was Columbus, and it was uh, um, Jesus. Who was the other team they just beat? I can't even remember. I'm so, I'm so, I have Sixers okay. brain right now. Um, but yes, it was all it was. No, it was Dallas. It was Dallas. Okay, Dallas. So yeah. Okay, so to me, I just thought, no, nah, man, this because I didn't see anything. You know what? The, I sometimes joke and I say. You know, I watch professional soccer, but I didn't see any professional players on the pitch. And I, I, but I'm not going to go that far with this particular. I just thought I just didn't see like any like attempt to go above and beyond the, your playing ability, or you know, to, it, it just like they kind of like these boys came in here and went, "We know we're going to lose. It doesn't really matter." <laughs> Well, that's we're, how we're I felt like the fan. That's how I felt. That's what I felt in the fan response, too. Like, a lot of people were just saying online afterwards, well, you don't expect to go out and beat the Galaxy in L.A. anyway. You know? Well, what what kind of mentality is that? But I saw it. Yeah. I saw it on the... I mean, like, I was there. I was like... <laughs> what kind of guys? shit mentality is that? <laughs> you know, and, and, and I really got mad for about 10 seconds, and then I went, eh, you know, that's the name of the game. It's, it's you know, we're in that world right now. We're in the Major League Soccer world where... It's not a you know an even schedule. It's not a balanced schedule, and sometimes you can go to you know, the opposite conference, lose, and it won't really matter one iota uh, that you lost because you didn't lose against DC, you didn't lose against you know Columbus, you didn't lose you know that's yeah. I mean, that's what I saw. Well, we're starting with lowered expectations out here, you know for sure, and I think that like you know you have to convince yourself, you have to say to yourself, look, we are. Uh, if we're going to be better than we have been, that has to start with us believing that we actually are better than we have been, you know? And I think yeah. they've gotten out on the, on a good foot. You know, they won the three games in a row. They started 3-2-1. and one. They were fourth place as recently as last week, and I felt like that was big because you've seen this team have really, really bad starts over the years, and then they spend yeah. half of the summer just trying to claw back to relevance, you know? So I thought maybe that would give them a different kind of boost this weekend, but... Yeah, I don't know. I wasn't really feeling it. it. It did seem like they were. They changed the lineup a little bit. They put Marco Fabian up there at striker. He had to come off on the non-contact injury like 20 minutes in. Brendan Aronson was still on the field. Um, yeah, it, even even with that, it's, it did feel kind of flat to me, you know? And I, and I didn't see any sort of – I'm not going to use the word passion because that's not the right. You can't really – sometimes you can't see it. But I didn't see any urgency from the bench. I didn't see anything. Yeah, and Jim's not a guy. I mean, you've, I've, I'm sure you've watched him coach before when he's been out there before, but he's he's not very demonstrative on the on the field, right. you know. Right. And um, whether it whether it means anything or whether it results in anything tangible or not, even just making it look like you're a little bit more annoyed or engaged or pissed off than you really yeah. are, sometimes that sells people on the idea that you're a little bit more in it, you know. Yeah, I'll, I'll give him. Credit. 
credit, you know, he's a professional guy, but like I want to see someone, you know, telling the ref, "Yeah, man, that you know, that's a bloody foul." You know, "F you," you know, and then or shouting at a, at a player when you know that you know the odds are against you that you are going to win this particular match. Yeah. And quite I... honestly, uh, and um, let me be sort of a pundit here and play down the down the middle, sort of middle of the road kind of stuff. The Philadelphia Union got out of L.A. with a win then we wouldn't really be talking about, like, well, you know, the, you know, the bad starts, good starts over the past couple of years. It was like, yo, man, they, they beat a possible MLS final, you know, final contender. Yeah, You know yeah. what I mean? And that, I thought, like, man, you go in there and you smack that giant, and then you go into the, the rest of the season and like, well, we, we kicked these guys' butts. Yeah, it does okay. make you wonder where the juice was, you know, considering the fact that they were playing well, you thought they might have a little bit more, like, confidence or attitude or, or yeah. assertiveness coming into it. Yeah, no, it's a good point. Um, I think we spent half of the time afterwards arguing. I got in a fight with somebody on Twitter about whether Zlatan got a couple good whistles in that game. There was the the first goal um, where he went up and climbed over Trusty, uh, and then the second, the penalty they gave him when he got undercut by by uh, Wagner. I mean, basically, this is the the dumb exercise here. The LA Galaxy fans thought it was clean. The Union yeah. fans thought they were, uh, you know, it was a foul. So, what yeah. what what did you see from your uh, your neutral Dalai Lama uh, son? Uh, well, summit? I mean, let's be honest. I was, I was those both those um, both those um, incidences. I was actually like in, in near the corner flag. You know what I mean? So yeah. I was really close to it, but I didn't really know. I didn't notice anything being done wrong by either you know either party now let me be honest um trusty is he he looked he looked lost in the back lineup yeah he did a little bit point, yeah to the point when that bedoya was coming in way too many too many diagonals coming in to save any kind of situation that was going on in front of blake it was ridiculous so trusty uh, who was okay wait a second wait a second so are you saying that it was like more of like he uh, Zlatan sort of jumped, you know, using Trusty as a uh, as a sort of a you know push off point or something like that? Yeah, I, I think he was a little early. I think he was a little early, but I also think that Austin Trusty probably didn't do himself any favors by getting a little lost there by losing him and detaching from him, you know, because if, if you're glued, if you're glued to the guy, it doesn't matter, you know, and you're jumping at the same time, then it's, he can't, he can't climb over you if, if you're latched onto him, you know? And also that time is about two heads bigger than him anyway. So yes. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually if he moves up first, he's going to put his hands down. So I didn't really see anything wrong with that. And I'm not saying it because I'm, you know, I'm an LA galaxy fan. or anything like that. I just see that. And you know, you, you got to understand that. Um, you're not going to win those regardless. I'm sorry. Right. Um, so, and you're not going to. And by the way, the sheer balls of Jim Curtin to put a 20-year-old homegrown American player to mark Zlatan Ibrahimovic. <laughs> you know, I would have said Alejandro Bedoya, you just be his shadow. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> that right there, I think would have been. I think like that. That, that, that wasn't a matchup that wasn't going to be faring well for. Austin. Yeah. Well, here's the here's the thing, Simon. I'll give you, and this is going to be terrible radio or terrible podcast, terrible podcasting because I'm going to try to explain something that people can't see. Okay, so I want people right, to, right. to use their imagination. Um, Zlatan is six foot five, right? He, right. He weighs more than two hundred or two hundred pounds or more than that, yeah. right? Um, when you have a big guy like him, like Jan Kohler, like uh, yeah. wow. even Harry Kane's a bigger dude, you know. Yeah. 
when you have those guys go up, um, they make it look easier because they don't have as far to go. You know, it's much easier for them to climb because there's less space for them to climb, you know? Um, therefore it makes it less, it makes it look less like they are actually climbing, you know? Whereas if I'm, you know, uh, say I'm five foot five and I'm going up against a six foot one defender in order for me to get an advantage over there. I, I have to make it a lot more obvious in the way I leverage myself, you know? Um, but my problem with that is that just because Zlatan is bigger and it's easier for him to get up, I don't think that means that he's not also leveraging himself a little bit. And the, the problem that I have, I think is that when I was refereeing, normally the way that we would call these, these, these things is that you would the, the key was that you would blow the whistle when you saw the extension from the arms you know right. like when you would see the full extent of the arm pushing out and the elbow totally extended Zlatan I think was pushing down a little bit so he didn't get the full extension I think that's probably why they gave him the benefit of the doubt that's always yeah. kind of been like the dividing line when we ref the games you know it could be attack of the benefit of the doubt yeah uh, for sure for sure and, and but, but trust the you know Let's let's really be honest. He was at fault for the sec for the penalty, and and because he left his leg out late, which I saw, and then he did it again, fouling Legette. Well, Va you're but talking he, about on the on the penalty. Trusty was in front of him, and then Wagner came in from behind with right. the with the yeah. leg out. Yeah, his, yeah, his leg was already. You know, when you extend your leg out, like when I was coaching, you, know, you extend your leg out like that. You that and you're not really you know sort of straining it. You're not. You're just sort of throwing your leg out there. You're Essentially, asking someone to come and run into it, and you're gonna you're gonna hurt yourself. Yeah, so, yeah. So he, I mean, he, it was kind of the same move he did on Legit, like in the fiftieth or whatever minute, to where he got the red card. You know, got the second yellow. So he wasn't having a good night. Uh, and, and to be honest with you, this is the first time I'm, I'm even talking about Trusty. Yeah. So, so at the end of the day, it's like I don't know how good he is, how well he's played, but yeah. certainly he was at fault on both of, on both these goals. So you can see where there's a weakness there. Uh, Wagner, I think. Backing into, I think, uh, um, the situation, let's say. The backing into um, to, to Zlatan, I thought, well, you know, that's not going to be a good recipe. You, but you're backing in, Trusty's backing forward, his leg out, like, you know, he's like a dog peeing, um, sort of. Uh, and then you've got Zlatan in the middle. That fight is always going to be won by Zlatan. Yeah, so, yeah. So, you know, and then you've got the bloody VAR, which I hate, but, you know, you, know, <laughs> you, you, you can't. After the ref looks at it, he's like, he still made a decision. If it was not given without VAR, I'd have been like, oh, well, that, you know, there you go. Yeah. If it was given with VAR, he made a choice. Um, there's days where I hate VAR and there's days where I love it, <laughs> you know? Well, that's a natural segue. And actually, before I do that natural segue, I'm going to ask you if you have any final thoughts on the Union Galaxy game before I do that pivot. Um, I'll be honest with you. The, the I, I'm, I'm, sh I'm kind of disappointed in the union because I've become, you know, I'm like the unofficial fan of the union because of our days on, on WWDB AM860 in the Philadelphia area. Yep. I'm an unofficial fan, but to me, if, and I, you know, and I'm hoping that it's just the fanboy in me saying these guys didn't come out here to play. Um, if they didn't come out here to play, then you really did a disservice. Um, and if you're getting calls that aren't going your way, um, the Bosnia Herzegovina um, number six, and I forget his name right now. Medunian. Uh, yeah, you can't you can't be a loudmouth with the referee. The referee calls the, the penalty, and you're still loud. You can't do that. I, I, again, LA Galaxy players do it. LAFC players do it. A lot of players. You can't do that. Um, and I think you can't let Alejandro Bedoya just 
be the guy that is around the that does everything for the for the for the back line. He was everywhere, and he was saving uh, the blushes for for Andre Blake, I think, at this point. And he's doing too much work. So the back line is problem. The one thing I think a lot of people missed watching the game, and I was actually right there on the other side of the pitch when it happened. The um, supporters of the LA Galaxy, when uh, uh, Bedoya was taking a corner kick, started shouting. Um, what, were they, what were they shouting? They were shouting. Uh, oh God, hold on. It was kind of funny at the time, but I didn't think it was very nice. Um, U.S. Like U.S. rejects or something like that. Like U.S. Like U.S. rejects like okay. this. Yeah. And it, it affected him enough to, as he ran away, he like put his hand up and gave him the finger. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Uh, he he certainly wears his, his passion on the sleeve. So I know there was one guy who was like he wasn't taking any, you know he wasn't holding anything back. He left everything on the pitch. Yeah. I respect Bedoya, but he's working way too hard. It's almost like he's he wants to be a midfield player as well as a defender, and he's doing everyone's job. I know he can't paper over all the cracks. You know it's tough. Yeah. You can you can be a glue guy to a certain extent, but if you, all you're doing is putting out fires, then you got to ask questions about everybody yeah. else on the team. And, you know. And I got to tell you, I think if he, he, I mean, he can be that special player that can be. You know, can take you know, like sort of that, that sort of like um, Dutch style of football where he can go and he can be the one guy and they can sort of cover him. But they weren't doing it, and I think that's what that was really easy to see. And you know, Ibrahimovic and Alessandrini and Lejet, they they really did a number on the back lineup. So it's a great Galaxy you know, midfield. You know, okay. Corona and Dos Santos in there. That Galaxy midfield just like. The, oh, yeah. the Union midfield just struggled to like influence the game at all. I was really impressed by the way that LA moved the ball around. Um, I, I, I'm I'm I like the the you know there was people make fun of me when I use American terms, but there's like an American called like yeah yeah that guy's Johnny Hustle. <laughs> I don't I don't know where it comes from. I, I don't use it. People are like what the hell does that mean? Like you don't do you, do you even know what it? Is? So I don't know who I, don't, I think it was the um, the uh, the play by play announcer for the Brewers. Used to used to use it. I think it was maybe where I picked it up. <laughs> These guys were like Johnny Hustle. They're like they don't let the ball like stop rolling, even if they give it away or something. So it was really fun to see this sort of um, I don't know this passion. This sort they're of just uh, very, they're very active. Yeah, I mean yeah. like they don't they don't last year. There's a lot of purpose in the way they they move the right. ball. There's not a lot of wasted movement. Yeah, it's really fun to watch. And there's a new Costa Rican uh, defender coming in. That, that didn't get to play because of visa issues. Gonzalez, yeah, he used to play yeah. for uh, Columbus back in the day, right? Columbus, but he's you know, straight out of uh, straight out of, uh, out of Syria. Palermo. I'm, I'm just thinking to myself, wow, you know, you know, like if once he's in there, then this whole back lineup might be, you know, even better, you know. So yeah. Yeah. You know, so and, and people are saying, by the way, that the LA, the LAFC or LA Galaxy, uh, are sort of the big contenders to be in, you know, in the. Um, on the Western Conference side in the MLS Cup final. Uh, you know, I like those odds. <laughs> I like it, man. It's been uh, it's been fun to watch him for sure. Um, okay, let me do this pivot here. Uh, now that it's five minutes after the natural segue that I had. Yeah. Uh, v- <laughs> VAR. Um, God, I mean, there, God, there's a lot of it in the Champions League these last two days. And I was only watching, like, casually paying attention. But, God, I mean, like, today you had uh, – Sadio Mane VAR confirmed he was on side. Yeah. Uh uh Urente VAR confirmed that he scored with his hip and not yeah. his hand. <laughs> of course he had the big Aguero offside in that game which was crazy. 
Um, I mean, like in the Ajax game too, there's on uh, Cristiano's goal, there was a VAR where they found out that the Ajax dude knocked over his own player. Right. Um, so when you say you sometimes you like VAR and sometimes you you dislike VAR, uh, explain yourself. Okay, so when when it goes in Liverpool's favor, <laughs> that's not. I love it. Oh, good. <laughs> when it goes against Liverpool, I hate it. <laughs> Well, obviously that's the case, right? I mean, yeah, we're all yeah. fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. No, my thing is this. Um, here's here's the question. Here's the thing, Simon. Okay. Like, okay. I think we can all I think we can all agree that we all want uh, f- to get calls correct. You know, uh, I, I mean, would no, say, yeah, we're on the same page. Yeah, nobody's so nobody's say, I, like a lot of the complaints I hear about VAR. Like, well, it disrupts the flow of the game. And it takes emotional moments and it turns them into like nothing. Well, like personally, I don't give a shit about that. Like ask England fans if they if they worry about taking away the history of the hand of God versus getting that call correct. However, many years ago it was, you know, and those those four things that I just listed off the top of my head, VAR got all of them correct, right? They got all of them correct. Um, So let me tell you why I don't like it. Uh, and it won't be because, you know, Liverpool did this or LA did this or whatever, right? First off, I disagree with you that it takes momentum away from the game. It does actually take momentum. When you got to spend four or five minutes watching the butt of a, of a referee looking into a black box on the side of the pitch and, and go, I wonder what he's doing, and the two commentators are talking out of their butt, and you're like... Why am I watching this game? Why don't I just go and get a sandwich? Why don't I, like, why, why is this on? Okay, so number one. So let, and, so, and also the slippery slope to that is some enterprising young uh, studio executives are going to say, you know, that is kind of stupid to watch a, you know, uh, a guy stick his, you know, head into this sort of curtain <laughs> of, a, of a, his black curtain to look at a screen yeah. and all we see is his ass. Why don't we put some commercials in there while we wait? You know that's down the road. Well, yeah, but you know, you, you know that, like, you know, now you're speaking as as a true Brit, you know, whereas you've you've been over here long enough to know that for right. for the American viewer, we're used to this shit. Right. So for I me, I want you to be used to it. I want you to <laughs> no, be like no. twenty five minutes of just like what, just keep going, right? So that's what I don't like. Second, secondly, it it takes away, or well, I don't know if it's secondly or thirdly or fourthly at this point, but it takes away the punditry that you and I do. Okay, so you and I, we go way back and we can talk about the nuances of football. We can talk about, you know, which position best suits a player. And we can talk about stuff that nobody else talks about in podcast in the podcast world. Right. The minute you add VAR, every Tom, Dick and Harry, every 25 cent you know, quarterback goes, let's talk about VAR, which we're doing right now, by the way. Sorry, yeah. Folks. Yeah. You know? So right there, it, it just essentially levels the playing surface from literally amateur, you know, sort of like water cooler soccer fans to real guys who've studied the game for, for 25 years. All right, number that's, that's probably number two. Yeah. And the biggest one is that it really does, and by the way, the, the, this one, the one I just told you, that's the biggest, that's my biggest pet peeve. Like any idiot that has a blog now can talk about VAR for 30 minutes and he sounds like a genius. And then guys like me and you are like, do you want to talk about the actual game? And yeah, it is a distraction. I can understand yeah. that. Yeah. The yeah. third biggest one is that the one thing that we never, ever, ever thought in our lives. When I was a kid playing, I never thought once that that in that 
20, 30, 40 years from now, right now, whatever year we're in right now, uh, that we are making superstars out of referees. Suddenly, the pages of every blog or whatever is filled with referees' names yeah. rather than soccer players' names. I don't need that crap, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, now, on the good side, yes, things are cool. And, and the, the price we pay for proper calls are the three things I just mentioned. Yeah, I mean, I guess then it's just in, in a measure and exercise of what you're willing to live with yeah. uh, in order to achieve that, you know? And uh, to me, I, I personally, like as an American who grew up watching, you know, baseball and football where every five minutes there's a commercial and they shove a Bud Light commercial down your throat and then you got to hear about the next hottest potato chip on the market or whatever other American consumerism bullshit you have to hear about I'm used to it but I can understand the reaction from other people I just I think more than anything as I wrestle with it I say I'm willing to live with all that bullshit if that's what it takes to get it right you know and, and uh, listen 30 no, no, so how old am I now okay so 50 60 years now I'll be I might be dead and this will and, the, and, and two generations of soccer fans will have lived through it and they'll be like what was the big deal you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, true, so, true. But there won't, but there'll, but there'll really never be any, you know, any sort of starry-eyed pub talkers talking about the hand of God or something, right? Because it just, it'll be out of the sort of the, the it'll, it'll never happen again. Yeah, yeah. There won't, there won't be that sort of camaraderie in like remember that time in nineteen, you know, eighty-two <laughs> or eighty-six. This happening? Oh yeah, no VAR. So that's gone. That whole sort of. Well, what we'll talk about, what we'll, thing will never be on. We'll never, will never happen again. What we'll talk about instead at the pubs is would be like you remember in 2019 when you know Pier Luigi Colina or whatever other referee screwed up that VAR call. We'll still be talking about this. We'll we'll be talking about the same like bogus things, but it'll just be VAR. You know, specific. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I just, I get it. I, you know, I, I understand when baseball fans say, for example, that they, they like the traditions of the game and they like how it is. But, you know, at the same time, I'm looking at like having a designated hitter in one league and not having it in the other league. And it just seems common sense to me to, to make things as fair on the playing field as, as possible. And if that interrupts some stuff in other areas, I'm willing to live with it. But uh, I'll tell you, this is something that I actually discussed. Can I, can I name drop here? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, so when Alexi Lalas was on my show, we discussed this couple of, like, when it first came out, you know. And I said, you know what's going to happen is, you know, uh, the good thing about it is that those guys who dive and cheat, okay, mm -hmm. they'll stop doing that. They, they'll yeah. know that VAR's there. So all the stuff that I hate about football, which is the diving and the cheating, that's going to mostly be eradicated. And I think later on in the episode or in the show, I, just, I think either it was me or Alexi said, yeah, but they'll just learn and they'll just figure out another way to cheat. <laughs> yeah, right. They'll find uh, a way yeah. to get around oh, it. Oh, know. thanks very much. I was trying to think of a good thing to say. but Survive yeah. survive and adapt, you know. Um, yeah. Okay, I won't keep you much longer, Simon, but I want to talk right. about um, – this was actually a topic that I had that I was going to discuss – uh, after the interview, but I was like, "What the hell?" I'm, I'm going to ask Simon about it because he would be good. I'm already to... here. What's going on? So, yeah. uh, the Athletic, uh, which is a popular uh, website that's been around for two years now, behind a paywall, um, beefed up their soccer coverage. They hired a couple more full-time people 
I think they made five or I think they made they made six full time hires over the last week and a half. But as a result, they slashed some of their local coverage. So freelancers like uh, Matt DeGeorge, uh, Dave Zeitlin was was writing uh, for Philadelphia stuff as well. Philly and Columbus lost their local freelancers. The Athletic instead picked up a couple full timers. Um, so I'm interested in what you think about, uh, see, I, I, th- I think this is interesting because of course, you know, I thought Matt and Dave did great work here in Philadelphia. I thought, um, the local people did as well, but I also am a person who says, wow, there are no full-time soccer jobs out there. Are we willing to sacrifice, uh, freelance gigs at the local level to try to get people full-time stuff with a decent salary and with benefits? Uh, Well, it's kind of it's two it's two different models, is it not? Having a, having a freelance guy um, getting paid, what, what, like what's a freelance guy get paid these days? Because I stopped writing because of so when I first write, started writing about soccer, can I can I I don't want to sound like a kind of a you know dick and say you know what I was getting paid, but I was let's say I was getting paid a hundred and fifty bucks for like literally writing crap, right? Yeah. So three years ago. Because of because there were so many quote unquote soccer experts in the in the world in America, the last time I got paid to write an an article, I got paid twenty dollars minus the fee that PayPal takes. Yeah. So to me, it's like, and then you know all these guys out there and gals out there that are, are working for free. So yeah. to me, it, it, you know, when you when you say are you willing to give up freelance jobs? The freelance job is literally the guy in the back of the, the, the parade with the broom, and in front of him is a, is a bunch of elephants. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. That's yeah. the job. So if some big wig is now getting 50, 60 grand a year writing t- you know, three articles a day, and then he's got an, a side job somewhere else making 50 grand, and I, I guess what I would tell that person is watch, you know, always look behind you because there's always someone out there who can do your job just as good and will probably take over whenever you slip. Yeah, it's an interesting thing to me because, uh, you know, 99.9% of people who write about soccer in this country, they are either freelancers who have other gigs. You know, like for me, yeah. I was working at Channel 3. I was reffing games. I was writing for the union on the side. I'd say maybe like 12% of my annual income came from covering the union. And the other 80% was CBS and the other like whatever percent was, was from other jobs. Um, but I don't, I'm trying to think of like how we move it forward. Like I'm, I'm happy on one hand that we have, that we've created full-time gigs, but I don't know if it's better to have five full-time gigs for five people or if it's better to have 10 part-time gigs for 10 people. I don't, I don't know what serves the fan better. I don't know what results in the better coverage. Uh, I know it's probably cheaper to have 10 people working, you know, 50 bucks an article or like 200, 300, $400 a month or something like that. But I don't know if taking one step back and going with five full-time people can ultimately lead, ultimately lead to 10 full-time people, you know? Well, the problem is who are these five full, you know, imaginary full-time people? Are they complete idiots uh, who just have a name for themselves? You know? So, for example, so let me, let me just tell, how long have you been doing soccer now, uh, Kevin? Just to your own own. How long have you been doing it? Uh, nine years. Nine years. So I've been doing it for 14 years, just my podcast. Mm-hmm. And then I got to go back to 1999 to do my 
soccer thing. And I'm the guy that gave up a really good job in banking to do soccer full time. Yeah. Where I worked for every bloody league in the you know in in America, plus corporate guys and so on and so forth. So, are we getting some guy, some stale, redundant guy that doesn't know anything about soccer, getting paid fifty thousand dollars a year, or are we getting a guy that's got some chops? And like you, that can do it and be entertaining and can be thoughtful and can be insightful. That's, I think, the, the problem. We look at the, the soccer guys on TV. They're not insightful. They're not entertaining. They're not funny. They are not at all what I want to watch. Now, the writers I, I read, are, are they insightful? Well, to me, they're not. To most of the people I know, they're not. So the idea is let's get five full-time guys that are different. They're not cookie-cutter. Mm-hmm. They, can, they can educate. They can entertain. They can incite. Hell, yes, they can go ahead and bring revenue in. And and, and let's do that. Now, once we figure out that these four out of the five people suck and they're no good, we, we're not afraid to get rid of them and bring four new guys in to, to you know, to do. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's how it should be. Um, now, if you ask me who my favorite soccer writer is or my, who my favorite soccer pundit it is it's literally been the same guy for i don't know seven or eight years and it's kevin kincaid (laughs) (laughs) oh stop so step up america (laughs) (laughs) so let me ask you that here's here's the last question for you and it's it's the same topic but let me let me explain it in this way so i'll I'll give you i'll use your read your geographic region to explain it okay? okay you live in los angeles you live in pasadena so say you have a really good freelancer who covers the Los Angeles Galaxy. Um, you really like this person. Yeah. You also have a really good freelancer in San Diego, okay? And you like them, and they do a good job also. Yeah. Um, the employer says, we're going to get rid of the Los Angeles guy. We're yeah. going to make the San Diego guy full-time, and the San Diego guy is also going to cover L.A. You like both of those guys, and you're happy for the guy who got hired full-time, but at the same time, you kind of feel bad for the freelancer in L.A., too. Yeah. Well, I don't necessarily think – so let me get this really clear, okay? I don't necessarily think that if you – just because you live in a certain area that you you cannot be an expert in a a team in another area, okay? So, for example – I don't believe that that guy in San Diego cannot be in tune and in touch and with you know in the community in Los Angeles. He can do a lot of traveling and he can be very very well known and very well versed in both those communities. However, okay, again, folks, remember what I said before. I believe that you can be a guy that can be from LA and be a Kansas City guy, you know, and fly back and forth. Just remember that. I don't want any letters or emails on that. <laughs> But I really do believe that with that, it is very beneficial for someone to be part of the community that the team is at. So if you're from, you know, uh, L.A., uh, that you, you pretty much know what's going on in L.A. Like, I know what's pretty much going on in L.A. better than pretty much anyone in L.A. Uh, if you ask me what's going on in San Diego, well, maybe not as much. So I think that they're both needed uh, the the second criteria, the second is is ideal, having two people. But if you have to, I think it can be done. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a good answer. I think, uh, and and the reason I gave you that exa- that um, example was because I think Union fans are kind of peeved by the idea that they would get rid of our local guys and just pay us off the Philadelphia market to somebody from New York. You know what I mean? There's like a, you know, you roll your eyes, you're like, oh, New York again, Trump's everything Philadelphia. So maybe maybe that's just specific to us. Um, but I think that's it why is people. Specific th- to you. It is specific because it, you have to go back. Remember when I was? Uh, we're on. We're on. Um... We were on radio together, and yeah. you guys were all talking about how you hate New York. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, guys, you only had two matches. How much hate <laughs> is it? You know, like, you know, it's, it, you might hate the city, but you don't even you've never played the team more than twice. Well, it's just like, more of the idea. I think, like, I, 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 I totally understand it, Kevin. I totally yeah, I, I agree. Like, I, if if you, if someone came up to you and went, "Hey, Kevin, we're replacing you with a guy from New York," I'd be like, "No one is as Philadelphia as." Kevin Kincaid. You're goddamn right. Reason. Yeah, exactly. Reason. So, yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> Simon, um, your guys, Liverpool, Barcelona. Yeah, I love it. Um, I'm, I'm, I'll tell you what, I don't have a rooting interest, obviously. I grew yeah. up on uh, on this continent. I did not just pick a European team just for the hell of it. But uh, I, 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 I would be fine with – I don't want Barcelona win. I think I'd like to see Liverpool – I'd like to see Liverpool and Ajax, I think, in the finals. I, I would uh, I would wouldn't mind that either as a fan of Liverpool as a as a guy that, um, and I honestly think that it, Liverpool can beat Barcelona. I, I don't think Barcelona. First off, number one, I'll, I'll just say this so so it's on record. I think Pep Guardiola is now going to feel a bit of pressure, and who knows? I really think that maybe in the Premiership he's going to do something a bit weird and wacky, and maybe maybe. Liverpool's going to win the Premiership mm. as well. Now, I think Liverpool can beat Barcelona. I don't think Barcelona is the amazing Barcelona of Barcelona's of years past. I agree. I think a team that like Liverpool with a defender like uh, like Van like like Van Dijk uh, and the three scoring prowesses, um, I think can very well beat them because if you can isolate the key players in Barcelona for 90 minutes, which not a many teams have done, you've got to win, you've got to win there. And I think Liverpool have the, you know, the, you know, the, the players that will do that. So I'm not very nervous about, you know, a Barcelona-Liverpool match. I'm really, you know, and it's not just me being a fan. I think it can be done. Now, Tottenham, you know, against Ajax, I'm, I'm blowing it, like, out the water. I'm like, I don't know. It could, it could, <laughs> Tottenham could bottle it. Ajax could do something. Tottenham could just absolutely stun. Yeah. It could be a, a two, you know, a two English team final. Uh, I don't think UEFA wants that. So who knows? You look for some funny stuff, you know, going on there. But yeah, uh, yeah, Liverpool, you know, they got hodged out of, uh, you know, a, 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 a trophy when uh, against Real Madrid. It was not good if you're a Liverpool fan to see your best player being absolutely mauled and destroyed by, a, you know, a very hacky, bastardly uh, Real Madrid defender. This time around, I don't think it's going to be that bad, you know, in Spain. Um, and I think Liverpool do deserve it, but again, people will disagree with me. Uh, but it can be done. I think this team has the right personnel to do it. Well, if there's any uh, discrepancies... Uh, with any Liverpool players, we'll just go to VAR on that, all right? Yeah, we'll just, we'll just, what we'll do is, you know, to me, I, 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 here's what I haven't seen in any stadium. <laughs> Some guy.
guy in like a Liverpool outfit or an LAFC outfit or whatever with a big television on his head coming out <laughs> like, hey, I'm VAR man, you know, like just to mock it. Like, where are these these clever sort of fans that, you know, like... I'll leave you with this one. The funniest thing that I started seeing like at pickup games and, and whatnot uh, uh, is that now all the kids start to do the VAR symbol with their hands. I've seen I've seen it I've seen something a little bit different which kind of annoys me, and uh, you know, Dozy Altador d- does this. Uh, he th- I've seen kids essentially go down quicker in the box, and then go and then sh- and go like to the ref. Come on, man, come on, and then say re- and then say like VAR. Well, whereas before <laughs> it's like they try to stay on their feet as kids. So they've been influenced. The influence is already there. Yeah. Well, it's a new. Uh, it's a brave new world. For the, uh, uh, for don't, the, it makes you sound like an old fuddy duddy. <laughs> I know, and I'm only 34, so you know. I'm but only I, 28. What's yeah, going on? I know we both feel old. Simon Allen, uh, always a pleasure, man. Um, appreciate you coming on on short notice and, and jumping on with us. It's SimonAllenSoccer.com. Uh, your Twitter handle is still Dalai Lama Soccer. Yes. It is, Kevin. Thank you, Kevin. Listen, I, I'm not blowing smoke up your butt when I say you're the only guy I listen to. You're the best in the business. You're like the fairest guy I talk to. You're a pro. You know how to handle a show. And I really, and I hope you keep doing it for a long, long time. And anytime you need someone to come on late, you know, late, late notice, let me know because it's always a pleasure. All right. Well, listen, if Liverpool uh, wins the Champions League and uh, my, my newborn daughter is asleep, uh, I'll get you back on the show and we'll do it. All right. <laughs> okay. You got it. All right, it's time for your questions, your comments, and your concerns. There weren't a lot of them this week. Uh, maybe people just didn't have a lot of juice uh, after that loss. Uh, so, uh, But Mike always has juice. The three union wins come from a depleted crew side, a questionable expansion side, and a young Dallas side. The three union losses are to teams shaping up to be elite teams in MLS. The tie was against elite talent that is floundering. Are the union... Are the union nothing more than middle of the road? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I think when you looked at the schedule, everybody everybody said, okay, they're probably going to lose to Kansas City, probably going to lose to Toronto. Uh, everybody thought Atlanta was going to be a loss and it ended up being a draw. Uh, yeah, Dallas was young, but that was a nice win. It was a nice come from behind win. Um, Columbus did, yeah, they were missing players, but they still had good players on the field, even though it was a home game. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I I don't I don't think anybody was going into the season saying that the Union are are more than a middle of the road team. I think that's kind of what we expected, right? Uh, you know, anywhere from fifth to seventh, I think was where most people had them. So, no, I mean, I think they've won the games that you probably expect them to win, and lost the games that expected them to lose. You know, I think it's probably playing out playing out exactly how we thought it would would. At this point, there's a big, long discussion here between the two of them. Uh, Union Report says, I'm tired of hearing all of this trashing of Ray Gaddis uh, while the while praising of Keegan Rosenberry. Uh, newsflash, Rosenberry is not that much better, if any. Well, yeah, I mean, they're different players, too. Uh, Keegan has not been that good in Colorado this year. Uh, Ray Gaddis has been... Ray Gattis, you know, steady, uh, if unspectacular. Uh, I mean, I just, I just think that Keegan was a good fit for this team because of his ability to get high and possess the ball and knock the ball around and, 
you know, some of the triangles they played with him and Dolchikal and Bedoya and Madunian in last year. Um, whereas Ray, Ray is just <laughs> Ray is Ray. You know, I, I don't. You know, I think I think everybody knows how I feel about Ray Gaddis as a player. I'm not, you know, I'm not anti-Ray. I just like he's the kind of player that if you're looking to take this franchise to the next level, he can't be your all-time minutes leader and all-time appearances leader. You know, because he's just a, a an average to maybe above average kind of player, a steady player. You know, if you want to take the next step, guys like Ray Gaddis have to be upgraded. So. It's not me saying anything negative about Ray. It's about, you know, where do you view this franchise until you want to do want to get it to the next level? Then maybe the guy who's been there for eight years and has had the most minutes and the most appearances and whatnot, who's just a steady, serviceable fullback, maybe you have to get a better player in here. Something to think about. Mitch says uh, Ryan has looked uh, uh, good for at, at right back for Steele, um, Issa Ryan. Um However, he's a natural winger. How difficult is it to transition from offense to defense? I recall Ryan Richter making a similar transition. How difficult is it to transition from offense to defense? I I think it's hard. I think it's harder to go from offense to defense than defense to offense. Because I think when you... When you're raised... When you're raised... when When you spend a lot of time playing defense first... Uh, you know, you learn a lot about structure and shape uh, and the importance of, of risk-taking or lack thereof, you know, which is to say, like, if I'm a center back or a left back and I, you know, lunge at somebody or I go to ground on a slide tackle when I don't have to, or if I gamble on a certain play, it might bite me in the ass, you know, because the guy might take the ball into open space and he might score. Whereas offensive players, you know, you can be a little bit more creative and take some risks. Marco Fabian can try some harder passes to try to unlock a defense. You know, you can make make a few more runs forward and not have to worry about being uh, being out of position. You know, I, I think it's it's for defenders who become attackers, you bring that concept of of shape uh, and responsibility with you to offense. Where I think offensive players have to learn that a little bit more. Uh, when they come back to defense, um, you know, of course, the fullback, the modern day fullback, is almost as much of an attacking piece as a defensive piece on a lot of teams. So it depends how teams want to use them. Also, and that answer might sound sound biased as a as a guy who's played, you know, I've played center back and defensive mid like my entire life. But uh, yeah, I know that if I go play midfield, I I can do things that I I might not be able to do as a defender. Um, so I think there's some concepts, some some macro level kind of um, approaches to the game that are just different uh joe says if you order one bourbon one scotch and one beer in which order do you drink them god well you're not supposed to do what's the saying you're not supposed to do beer before liquor or you're not supposed to do liquor before beer which one is it god i don't know it makes me uh, want to barf just thinking about it all the bad nights that I've had, and there really have not been a lot of them. I don't like, you know, throw up or get hung over or whatever that often, but it's always when you're mixing and matching, you know? It's like a whiskey and then like an IPA or something. Ugh. Uh, and he says also, which happens first, Ray Gaddis 35 yard Galazzo uh, or Ray Gaddis laying someone out on the pitch <laughs> with a right cross? Um, Ray, Ray will never harm anybody. He's like the nicest guy on the planet. Uh, Ray Gattis, 35. Here's the thing. You know that when Ray finally scores his first uh, MLS goal, it's going to be like some ridiculous 
thing, right? You know, he'll catch like a like a, a 37 yarder from the corner of the box or like some ridiculous header or something like that. <laughs> you know, as, uh, as Dave Zeitlin would say, he's due. Like Andrew Winger. Uh, Scott Eric says, who do you think will be in the starting 11 this weekend? Well, Fabian's not in it. No, Trusty's not in it. Makes things easier, doesn't it? I feel like that we were having this conversation in the last couple podcasts. You know, how do you how do you fit Aronson in there? How do you fit Fabian in there? How do you fit Montero in there? Uh, Montero, I thought was all right the other night. You know, it's it's a hard game too when that midfield is just bossing you. When you go out there and your first MLS start is against that Galaxy team, it's got a lot of good midfielders. Um, you know, when you look at his heat map, when you looked at Montero's heat map after the game. Um, he was a little bit deeper than I thought he would be. And even in the build-up play, too, you saw that he liked to drop back and get on the ball, um, and he would play pretty close to Medunian. And, um, I don't know if there's redundancy there. I don't know if there's the overlap in the skill sets at all. Uh, but he, he seemed to want to do some of the same things that Harris likes to do. So the, the build-up play looked a little bit different with Montero in there as a shuttler. I don't know if that was, that was him trying to find the game, trying to get on, get on the ball a little bit more in a game where they didn't have a lot of possession. So I'd be interested to see how he does playing at home. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, Corey Burke and Fafa Pico just aren't, you know, they got to get more more out of their forwards. And, uh, you know, I think David Akam has been the most effective out of all of them, at least scoring goals, right? So I'd like to see Akam up there. Um, I guess Akam and Burke, Akam and Pico. I don't know. If Sergio Santos is healthy, I want to see him. I want to see – if you gave me those four guys, I think right now I want to see Akam and I want to see Santos up top. Uh, not necessarily that pairing, but to those two guys, I think I'm most intrigued about. I think would be the most effective right now, considering the form of a calm and how he's looked earlier in the year in Santos, just because you paid half a million for him. So I want to see what he's got. Um, so I'd go say, just say like for example, a calm and whoever, and that's going to be Aronson. Then you have Montero and Bedoya on either side, Madunian in. Mark McKenzie comes in for Austin Trusty. I don't think anything else changes, you know. As Baxter sits on the microphone cable right here, I forgot to introduce him again. I, I've done a poor job of that lately. Um, Mike says, uh, with with Ray's weakest showing yet in LA, what will it take to see Mbizo on the pitch? I don't know. I guess them watching him play for Steel and just believing in him. You know, I mean, they they said at the beginning of the year that quote from from Ernst that said, you know, we believe in him. If you believe in him, then it's time to put him on the on the field. You know. Ray is Ray, you know. He was pretty good last year, then, you know, had disappointing playoff games, and he was a big disappointment in the Open Cup final. So I think we know where we're at with Ray Gaddis at this point. Uh, Kevin says, I can't wait to see Ray Gaddis racking up the assists while crossing to Lewandowski this summer. I know it's going to be crazy, right? It's going to be a new a new era of union soccer. Andrew says, even though I try to be objective, it seems like the union repeatedly get killed by the refs. Uh, is there anything to this, or am I just an unrepentant homer? Uh, you know, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's that the union get killed by the refs, or that the other team just gets the benefit of the doubt. You know, because they have the stars and whatnot. You know, Zlatan, Michael Bradley. You know, the union don't have that. So I don't, I don't know if, if it's so much like an anti-union thing as it's like a pro-other teams thing. Does that make sense? Um, as I get pinged on Slack right there. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I, like I was saying to Simon, I, I don't... 
I think with the Zlatan thing, because he's so big and he doesn't have to like really go go up that high to get over top of a defender, but I still think he's impeding Trusty's ability to jump a little bit. I think Austin could have done a lot better job at trying to just and that was a tricky play too because the defense got sucked in. There were a couple weird fifty fifty balls and some bounces that went in their favor and Ray Gaddis had to step up um on Alessandrini. I think to to prevent him from taking a shot, and that's why Skelvik was wide open on the left there. And so Trusty's trying to cycle back and find a body, find where Zlatan is. It wasn't the easiest play in the world. Those are hard, you know, when your center back and the ball sort of dinked over your head like that, and you're trying to track backwards. It's it's hard to it's hard to get leaping power when you're moving backwards like that, you know. Uh, and then for him to run into Zlatan, who's bigger than him, and who's all and who's going to get the call. You know, and who's jump? Who can see the ball and is facing the ball and is looking forward and jumps early? His last hand timed that perfectly too. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just hard to blow the whistle there. I, I do think Zlatan probably impeded him a little bit. He didn't do a full extension. I think that's probably why they didn't why they didn't call it. But to answer the question, I, I don't know if it's so much like anti union as it is like pro other stuff. And you could say, you could point to C.J. Sapong maybe and say he's not a superstar. Um, but, but I don't, again, I don't think that's a specific to the union kind of thing. Like I don't see, you know, I don't, I wouldn't see Colorado getting any calls over the union. You know what I mean? It's like the haves and the have nots of MLS. Kyle says, what the fuck happened in the man city game? I am lost. (laughs) It's crazy. That's one of the craziest games I've ever seen. We haven't talked champions league or European soccer or like anything non-union on the show in a while, but, um, that's some damn good action, man. I know. My boy Rick McGovern is very happy with Ajax getting through. I'm happy for him. I'm not anti-Ajax. I want everybody to know that I'm not anti-Ajax. I think because of comments I made about Ajax on this podcast back in the day, people think I'm anti-Ajax. That's not the case. Uh, I think my complaints were like when you go back to the 2017 Europa League final, for example, when they got beat by Manchester United, you know, you had one faction of people, a large vocal faction of people who are saying well i actually you know tries to do it the right way and play the right way uh they try to play free-flowing soccer they put kids on the field they promote from within they you know do things correctly with youth okay which is fine i don't i don't disagree with that but i watched you know Mourinho go out with the more expensive team and park the bus everybody's whining about anti-football and negative bullshit and stuff like that and so be it but man united won two nothing so again, I just I think I have this problem with people who tell me that certain teams are doing things quote unquote the right way or the wrong way or whatever. Like like I've said a million times on here before, I don't I don't think just because Barcelona plays tiki taka or whatever that that's the only way to play the game. You know, there is some beauty in the way that Stoke City would lump the ball forward, <laughs> you know, hit two six foot five strikers and just sort of muscle their way to wins or Rory DeLapp throwing the ball 40 yards in from the sideline. Like there, there's, there, I just don't like people telling me that there's only one, that there's one best way to do things or one proper way to do things. You know, there's different play styles. Uh, there's different approaches to development and roster building. You know, I've always said that, you know, it's great to have, you know, 19 and 20 year olds on the field, but you know, it doesn't 19 and 20 year olds aren't automatically any better than 35 year olds. You know, like, would Ajax have played Ryan Giggs in 2009? Of course they would have because he's a good player. And you see Ajax has players like Lasse Shona and uh, Daly Blind, you know, who are older. You know, so obviously they have a little bit of that blend. But um, I don't know. I I just don't like people, like, telling me what the right way to do things is. Um, And plus, you could argue that Ajax, you know, 
Ajax's model, instead of being a selling club, instead of selling off this best talent over and over again, instead of selling like Sanchez and Erickson and the four dudes that they sold to Tottenham or whatever, uh, keep them. You know, keep them, you know, and, and make a run at the Champions League, kind of maybe like they're doing now or next year. So I don't know. I, that, that's the only thing. I just don't like this automatic default where it's like Ajax is the, the smaller. Ajax is not really the smaller team. They play in a smaller league, but they've been a, a power for for many, many years, you know. Um, but it, I guess in all this, it just makes me want to have a European Super League. You know, where it's like all the best teams in like a champions, a regular Champions League every year with the biggest clubs. I don't know how feasible that is, but I would like to see Ajax play the big teams over and over again. And because I love their philosophy and their style, I don't want to I don't want to see them be a selling club. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't want to see them uh, continually just get to like quarters and semis and finals and then sell off their best players uh, to the Manchester United's and Tottenham's and PSG's or whatever of the, of the world. You know what I mean? So I think that's where I wrestle with it a little bit. Um, one final question. Uh, sorry, I lost it on my phone here. Um, is Prizbilka worth a shot at striker? Jim mentioned him in press conference today. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, if if Burke and Pico aren't really doing anything for you, why not? I mean, some of the goals he scored for Steel weren't entirely impressive. There was one goofy fast break, and there was another that bounced to him that he that he um put back on goal. But yeah, I don't know, man. I. He's he's scoring goals, which is more than you can say for for Burke and Pico, right? So I don't, at what point is it where you look at their xG and you're like, well, he's still doing a lot of good things. You know, how much do you weigh that versus guys who are actually putting the ball in the back of the net? So I mean, there are worse things in the world. All right, it's almost an hour. Then uh, thanks everybody for listening. To episode number seventy six, I think. Uh, Baxter's here. He says hello. And uh, listen, unless um, my wife is like late uh, on going into labor, this is probably going to be the last one. Uh, before the kid comes, so it'll probably be like two weeks or three weeks or whatever um, until the next podcast. And, uh, yeah, we'd like to do the the live podcast. Hopefully we might be hooking that up with the Larimer, just waiting to hear back from those guys. And, uh, yeah, into the summer, uh, more union stuff, try to get that live thing going. But, uh, as always, thanks again for listening, everybody, and uh, we'll see you next time.